is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 497, recorded on Thursday, September the 17th, 2020. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and joining us for the podcast. You too, Jason. Thank you for being here. Uh, well, you're welcome, and thank you for hosting this for me. It's a, it's a dual job. It's a co-host situation. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But thank you for hosting, and thank me for hosting. Well, good. Thank you, everybody, for joining <laughs> and hosting. Uh, speaking of everybody hosting the show, if you, in case you missed it last week, I reminded everyone that our 500th episode is coming up very soon, and we are recording like mad so that the 500th episode lines up with our coverage of the season 10 finale in a couple of weeks. And what we're going to do is have everyone who wants to record their name and so they can get it onto the show. I explained it all last week, but I wanted to bring it up again here just in case anyone missed it. Um, a bunch have come in already, which is great. So thank you to everyone that has sent those in, but keep them coming folks. Um, it'll be great to get lots more and play them on the show if we can. And just in case you, you didn't know, it's, it's sort of recording your name for the intro or maybe the outro of the podcast. I'm going to pick randomly some to include at the beginning because I think I've already got more than I that I would want to include uh, but it's going to be fun and I hope you can participate I hope so too that uh, I look forward to hearing it I think it will be good I, I you know it was uh, I, I wasn't sure if people would want to but then I thought well maybe there's folks out there that have never sent in a message or whatever, and they just want to dip their toe in and see what their voice sounds like on the podcast. And maybe this will open the floodgates for people sending in all kinds of recordings and comments as we move into the future here. Super. <laughs> that would be really cool. All right. So on the show today, we are going to uh, review a movie that we chose randomly or pseudo randomly last week when I asked Jason to pick a, a year and a number. And he came up with 1977 and number five and the number five uh, grossing movie in North America in 1977 was the goodbye girl. So that's what mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about a little bit later on the podcast. First though, we have some walking dead news to discuss. The walking dead news. All right, Jason, item number mm. one, item the first. Do it. The Walking Dead has earned some recognition for gender equality on and off the screen. Oh, that makes me happy. <laughs> That's the headline, even though I didn't read it very well. So um, it is, there's a group called Reframe, which is a bunch of entertainment industry professionals. And apparently they track the hiring of women for acting and behind the scenes roles in film and TV. Uh, and they award these, um, stamps of recognition to shows and movies that do, or do a good job at this. And so the walking dead this year was one of 33 shows to earn, earn the reframe stamp, meaning that it has achieved gender balanced hiring both on and off camera. Um, nice. and and apparently, according to The Hollywood Reporter, this year there was a significant increase of 57% in the number of shows that earned this reframe stamp. 
so for a long time, you know, we haven't been doing so, so good at this, but now it's turning around a little bit and The Walking Dead is one of those shows. So I just wanted to call it out, say congratulations to everyone and good job. Yeah, it uh, it warms my heart to know that uh, the world is it, in some ways is getting a little bit better every now and again. That's right. And and you know what? This is the year we need some of that good news. It's 2020. Oh, this, this year this year's the write off. Like fuck it. I mean, just let's just focus on 2021. <laughs> but yes, absolutely this is really good news. Uh I don't know if it's going to elevate 2020 very well, but uh, yeah, let's just this year's garbage. Yeah, <laughs> just, but this is a this is a diamond in the rough, let's say, right? Absolutely, this is, yeah. This is good, and uh, you know, it's something nice that's happened despite everything else that's going on this friggin' yeah. year. It's uh, an extra McDonald's French fry found in the bottom of the bag after you've eaten all your French fries. <laughs> it's the bonus fry. It's the bonus fry. It's like, oh my god, that's great. One extra more fries. One more fry. You know, that's what I like about Five Guys. You go there and they put the fries in your bag, and then sometimes they just pour more fries in to the bag you know, not even paying attention to the fry container. I can't remember the last time I went to Five Guys. Oh, I love Five Guys. My favorite fast food burger. Good for you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Some Norman Reedus news here. He has signed a first look development deal with AMC Studios. Okay. So this is What does that mean? Well, it's not strictly Walking Dead, but I guess what it means is that he, that AMC has the first right of refusal for any projects that he wants to, to do, because in conjunction with this, he's created a production company called Big Bald Head, which is his social media name. That's what he goes by on Twitter. Uh, and I guess he's starting companies with that name too. And so anything he wants to produce or create under his Big Bald Head production company will be looked at by AMC and they can say, yep, we want to do that. Or nah, I think you're on your own for that one. Pass. Exactly. Uh, well, that's cool. I wonder who makes money in that case. Everybody makes money. I'm sure. Well, yeah, of course. But I think when you make a deal like this, you know, there's, there's dollars changing fists. And I just, I wonder who's doing that. I know Tom Cruise had his uh, production company and he was being paid $5 million a year just to, uh, think about doing movies and he didn't know what he wanted to do. And he was digging through archives and he went through and he found uh, uh mission impossible and said, well, that's nobody's really picked that up. I think we should do a movie about that. And then they did. And now look at it. Here we are. How many, seven movies later or something? Yeah. Lots and lots and lots. I, I enjoy the mission impossible films. I got, I say. do too. I gotta say. Uh, first one, good. Second one, garbage. Third one, I don't remember. Fourth one, I don't remember, but then they get really good after that. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, Yahoo News had this to say about the Norman Reedus information. They said, Big Bald Head has recently closed a deal to adapt Undone by Blood, an Aftershock Comics publication from writers Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler, who are also on board as co-executive producers. Aftershock Comics' John and Lee Kramer will serve as executive producers. The series follows the story of Ethel Grady Lane, who, in the early 1970s, returns to her hometown of Sweetheart, Arizona, Arizona, to find and kill the man who murdered her family. And Reedus is eyed to star in the series. So he's going to be producing this, starring in it, and likely distributing it through AMC. Holy moly. So like I said, everybody's going to make money. Uh, yeah. But- well, I'm just floored at the amount of work that that sounds like. That's more work than I would like to do 
in a day. <laughs> the amount of work that it would take to act, uh, you know, produce and distribute and work with on your production company. It doesn't sound like a dream job to me. That sounds like sounds like a fucking nightmare. Well, but that's me. <laughs> maybe you and you know Norman Reedus. He's got people. He's got assistants and folks around him to help him with the day to day. I'm sure. So yeah. uh, I wouldn't feel too bad for him. The point is, Norman Reedus is going to be making some new content. It sounds like it may be on AMC. So if you haven't gotten enough of Daryl Dixon, uh, he you know he's going to be around. Not yeah necessarily specifically Daryl, but the man behind him. Yeah. I'm just, I'm amazed that people have ambition and drive to do that kind of work in order to achieve uh, success. Like, and, you know, he's obviously achieved success in his life and in, in his career, and he wants to take it to the next level to achieve more success, to do things that are uh, successful in order to, to make him uh, you know, to be happy. And if that kind of workload makes him happy, all the power to him. But it just makes me want to take a nap. Not for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for me. <laughs> all right. Well, Norman Reedus, he's a, he's a, he's a guy who, you know, motivated and driven to be the best that he can be, I guess. Awesome. <laughs> all right. So have you ever heard of IMDB TV? No, I know what the IMDB in IMDB is. And you probably know what the TV is in Oh, yeah, I got, I got television there. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense. Individually, I know what those are. Well, I hadn't heard of this either, weirdly enough, but IMDb TV is a ad-supported streaming service. So US only. That may be why we don't know about it, because we're stuck up here in Canada. And it's owned... I also didn't know that this, uh, that IMDb was owned by Amazon. Well, I didn't realize that. Did I know that? I don't know. I may have known that in the uh, in the cockles of my brain. Huh. Well, I not even in my cockles. So it's IMDb TV is their streaming service, and AMC has entered into an agreement with them for six new channels on the service. Um, one of which is a Walking Dead channel. Okay. So, so according to CordCuttersNews.com, IMDb TV has entered in an agreement with AMC to bring six new linear channels to the free streaming service, including the Walking Dead Universe Experience channel, providing fans of the franchise a new free streaming destination. The channel features select full episodes of The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, Ride with Norman Reedus, Friday Night In with the Morgans, and more, plus never-before-seen behind-the-scenes footage, bonus content, original digital series, cast interviews, and fan-favorite episodes. So what the hell is this streaming channel? Is it just like a, uh, like a television channel and you don't get to choose what you want to watch? It's just shit that comes to your computer on a regular basis, like constantly, and you don't get to pick what you want to watch? It's just whatever happens to be on at that time? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Uh, IMDb TV appears to have multiple channels, and maybe it is like that. Maybe they're just broadcasting things like this, and you, you tune in. I don't know. I went to the website. It told me I wasn't allowed to access it, so go Stupid away. Stupid Canadian. Yeah, okay, yeah. got it. Um, and that's it. Uh, I also couldn't find any information on the internet about when this was launching. So you got to think it's soon. This is the press release. They've been talking about it, but weirdly enough, it wasn't in the article I read. Um, but if, you know, if you're an IMDb TV subscriber and it is free and ad supported, so presumably anybody in the States with internet oh, can get this. It's gotta be streaming then. Cause if it was ad supported, 
Yeah. Okay. I got you. I'm with you. Okay. Um, you can, you can tune into these episodes. You can get the bonus content and whatever else they're going to offer. So it, for me, sounds like something that, you know, really big fans can try to access for the bonus content, right? Nobody's going to be watching The Walking Dead, you know, for the first time on this service, I would, wouldn't think. Um, so it's got to be the bonus content, the cast interviews, the other stuff that's, that's appealing. But the whole channel will be dedicated to Walking Dead universe type stuff. And that's why it includes things like Friday Night In with the Morgans, which is not a Walking Dead show. It's a Jeffrey Dean Morgan from his couch kind of show. Okay. That sounds creepy, vaguely creepy, <laughs> but I'm not sure if this is a good idea. Like if, if my idea of what this is, is that it's a streaming channel, which streams real time crap to your eyeballs, like a regular television channel. I'm not sure if this is a great idea or a dumb idea or kind of a mix of both columns here. Well, uh, have you ever sat down in front of Netflix and started flicking around and 20 minutes later, you're like, I don't, I don't know what to watch. I'm just, you know, flicking around here and I can't find anything. Maybe this, oh, yeah. maybe this solves that problem. You flick this on and you don't have any choice. So you just end up watching whatever is in front of you. Well, that's why I think it's sort of a good idea because the old days of, uh, you know, all we had was goddamn TV and we flip around. And if you found a movie and this is going to lead right into the goodbye girl, cause that's how I found it was flipping around on TV and I didn't know what to watch, didn't have anything that I was uh, interested in flipping around. And then a movie started and I'm like, well, what the hell is this? And it, I caught it right at the beginning of the movie. No other channels were showing anything that was interesting to me. So I just I sat there and I watched it and uh, it kind of drew me in for the entire run of the movie. And I never would have discovered that if I hadn't been flipping around in channels. And there's always something to be said about, this, you know, stumbling across a movie on TV and you just sit down and go, oh, that's nice. I, I really want to watch this. And you end up watching it and you enjoy it, but then you're flipping around in your own goddamn DVD library or your Blu-ray Blu library, same thing as Netflix. You pass, you scan your eyes past that movie six or seven times and you'd never pull it out of the sleeve and put it on and watch it. But if it just happened to stumble across it on a television channel, you'd watch it. Yeah. So maybe this is more about um, finding new viewers, right? Like yeah, th there's, okay. there's probably, there's probably a huge, there's probably a big group of the population that, you know, maybe don't have Netflix or don't have paid streaming services. So these free options are, are good ones for them. And yeah. why wouldn't AMC want their content to be on there? Right. So that new viewers can see it. And maybe that means that they'll get hooked on the walking dead. And when the next season comes out, they'll pay for it on iTunes or something like that, right? They'll buy it from Apple or from uh, Amazon or whoever else is, has it for sale. So it kind of makes sense that you would want your content to be viewable by as many people as possible. So why not put it on this free streaming service? Uh, oh, it's a McDonald's hamburger. Maybe, but it's not available to us in Canada. So, you know, they, oh, yeah. they clearly don't want to give it to us for free. Right. McDonald's hamburgers are a loss leader. McDonald's loses money on every burger they sell. Really? Did you I, know that? No. They lose money. They make all their money on soft drinks. Oh, drinks, of course, because the yeah. drink is like fractions of a penny to fill up, but they charge $1.49 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So they lose money on the burger and fries in order to sell you drinks and then other garbage like uh, toys and stuff. 
because they're sure. also one of the world's largest toy distributors. Well, so if I walk in there and buy a Big Mac and a medium fries and I mm-hmm. don't get the drink, I'm screwing McDonald's? Yes, sir. All right, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes you feel better about eating their crap. All the power to you. <laughs> well, not really. I've been to McDonald's like once in the last, I don't know, four or five years that I can think of. So I don't go very I, often. I don't go very often either. I don't know if I've, uh, I think it's been a little more recent for me. And, uh, you know, my son has recently discovered Happy Meals because I made a mistake of buying him a Happy Meal one time. It came with a toy. Oh my goodness. Uh, anyway, uh, this is the most I've ever mentioned McDonald's on a single episode of the podcast. I can tell you that. Well, probably, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, that's uh, the Walking Dead Universe Experience channel coming soon to IMDB TV, but also apparently coming to Twitch because AMC is launching the Walking Dead Universe channel on Twitch as well. I have to assume the content is going to be similar, if not maybe exactly the same as the IMDb version. And this article I read was on Deadline, a very reputable news organization, and they said that Twitch will start streaming this channel on Sunday, September the 20th. So that is in a few days from now as we're recording. Maybe IMDb TV is launching it roughly the same time. I don't know. I can't say for sure. But Twitch users, you it sounds like you will be able to watch some of this too. That's very exciting for Twitch users. I'm sure it is. <laughs> what What is Twitch? Twitch, you know, it's that streaming service. It was, it was originally a lot of like gamers would stream on it, but I think it's expanded beyond that a little bit now. So it's people streaming crap? Yeah, it's a live video streaming platform pretty much. Oh, okay. Thank and I, you. I guess they have channels too, and the Walking Dead universe is coming, oh, coming to them just... as well. Tying into something that's already popular. Got it. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to sign up for Twitch right now. All right, good. There's got to be good stuff on there, right? If everybody keeps mentioning this thing, and it's been, I've been, I've heard it bantied about every now and again, but now that you mention it and I know what it is, I assume that the content on there is uh, stellar and uh, I won't be aggravated by it at all. No, I'm sure not. And, you know, who knows? I, Twitch is available in Canada. I don't know if the Walking Dead Universe channel will be. But, you know, only one way to find out. Ah, sorry. It started playing audio. I got to get away from there. Okay. Look at it later. Yeah. Uh, one more thing here, Jason. Um, an article was written on CBR.com, which is comicbookresources.com, or at least formerly was. And the headline was, The Walking Dead Undercuts Its Final Season with Its Carol and Daryl Spinoff. Yeah. So this isn't so much news, but I wanted to talk about this a little bit uh, because it is concept that had been floating around in my brain a little bit. Now, the main point of this article is that with a Daryl and Carol spinoff coming, it's kind of a spoiler for season 11 because we sort of know that they have to survive to the end and therefore move on into their own show. They've you know, AMC and The Walking Dead has kind of ruined the surprise a little bit with season 11 by announcing the Daryl and Carol spinoff so far ahead of time. And while I see Comic Book Resources' point here, um, I, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily true that it's kind of undercut the final season because we don't know anything about the spinoff show yet. For example, it could be set during that six-year time jump that we've never seen. or 
some other creative use of time to tell us different stories with these characters. I don't know. But what do you think about that concept that by announcing this spinoff now and the end of the show, they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit? I, I think they kind of did. And I've been thinking about this off and on for the last little while since, uh, since I heard about this when you told me. Uh, I think it is, it is undercut in a couple of ways. So one, yeah, I know we survive. I mean, the show is about the walking dead, so maybe they're dead. I don't know. They could just be, but it could be about them being zombies, right? <laughs> uh, you know, that'd be a really crappy show, but it's possible, right? It's, it's within the realm of possibilities, although it isn't in the realm of probability. Pretty bad show, I would say. Like Pretty, pretty bad yeah. show. But having, uh, so we know they survive and that is, I hadn't considered that aspect of it, but, uh, that's okay. I mean, the last season of the Sopranos, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but you know, I, you were, as a viewer, I was expecting the shit to hit the fan. I was expecting every, all the main characters to be killed off in one way or form. I was very excited about what was going to happen. I was a little bit disappointed and over time I'm becoming less and less disappointed about the end of Sopranos, but we can talk about that some other time if you'd like. Anyway, uh, so we know they survive. You're right. That does undercut that a little bit, but it also undercuts the show itself. Imagine if you will, Magnum PI, uh, ending and goddamn Tom Selleck and the two dogs, Zeus and Apollo have their own show afterwards. Like all the rest of the characters get thrown to the wind, but you still have friggin' Magnum PI, uh, Thomas Magnum driving around with his, uh, two Doberman pincers. Uh, you know, it kind of undercuts, uh, the end of Magnum P.I. Right. Like, it's not the end of Magnum P.I. You still got friggin' Magnum P.I. Uh, doing shit that just got rid of the ancillary characters. Yes. So it undercuts it that way as well. It's it's like an emotional undercutting of the show, right? And that's that's the first thought I had before I found this article. And they took it a little bit differently, just saying that they survived, therefore you're ruining some of the surprise of season 11. My original thought was... You know, no matter what happens to Daryl and Carol in the final season, we as the viewers know that we're going to be seeing more of them. So it's not a goodbye, right? It's not this big emotional, like the show's over, it's it for these characters, whether they're dead or alive, this is the last we'll be seeing of them. Walking Dead kind of wraps up and then, you know, the spinoff launches the next week and, oh look, it's Daryl and Carol again, just continuing on their adventures. It's like The Walking Dead never ended. Yeah. You know, it's like friends ending and Monica and Chandler get their own show. Right. Living in a house in the suburbs. Well, yeah. With their twins. Right. And Joey getting his own show. Oh wait, he did. And it sucked. <laughs> I, I liked that show. I don't know why people keep crapping on Joey. I liked Joey. And there was a lot of good actors in that show. There was uh Gina, what's her name from, uh, uh, she was on the Sopranos as well. I liked her as Joey's sister. Uh, her son was, again, there are a bunch of that guy actors, but I enjoyed, for one, I enjoyed Joey. Okay, I liked fair that enough. show. I watched the entire run of it as it aired. <laughs> I was on board from the beginning. I was sad when they canceled it. Wow. All right. Well, bad example then. But my point is just like, if you want a big emotional goodbye, The Walking Dead, like make it final. I mean, do other shows, do spinoffs or, you know, spinoffs involving different characters, do anthology series, make an animated version. I mean, do movies, whatever you want. But if you're going to just run through a show and say it's done and it's over and this is it, and then just start another one with the same characters, even though it's only two of them, 
yeah, it kind of feels like the show didn't end and we are just going to continue with it. So, yeah, I, you know, it, it does kind of annoy me that now that I've thought about it, that they announced this spinoff so early. Um, if it was a surprise uh, after The Walking Dead finished, at least we would have had that moment at the end where, oh my God, it's over. What are we going to do now? And then a week later, oh, we're going to watch the Daryl and Carol show. Okay. Yeah. I, I would even, I probably would be even on more on board if the show that came after The Walking Dead was Aaron and his arm attachments. Like, I don't care whatever, whatever else happens, uh, you have Aaron and a whole bunch of shit that he puts on his arm in order to, uh, <laughs> you know, survive his adventures. I'd watch that. You know what? At the very least, somebody out there, please start a band called Aaron and his arm attachments, because that's a great name for a band. <laughs> or comic book, you know, you can continue this in comic book form. Book form. Uh-huh. I'd read that. Yeah, <laughs> I would do actually. Yep. <laughs> Aaron and his arm attachments. I like it. Yeah. Anyways, that uh, article is over at CBR.com. It's called The Walking Dead Undercuts Its Final Season with its Carol Daryl spinoff, if you want to check it out. Um, I'm not so worried about knowing that presumably they survive. I'm just sort of, I think they've taken the wind out of the sails a little bit for, for the season finale in two years from now or whatever it is. So yeah, uh, that's that. Uh, before we get into our discussion of the goodbye girl, though, uh, I have a call here from Matthew, kind of related to uh, what we've just been talking about. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jason. This is Matthew calling from Minnesota. I just wanted to pipe in on your guys' predictions for when episode or season 11 is going to come out and how they're going to structure it. Um, I believe you guys said uh, they're going to do like 12 episodes and uh, separate them. So. 2022 would be, or 2021 would be 12 episodes, and then next year would be 12 episodes with one big gap. Um, I think they're going to probably structure it in three chunks because I just believe they can't film that many episodes in the time frame they have. So I think they're going to probably have late 21, have the first eight episodes, and then have a smaller break, unlike uh, just smaller than the our usual mid-season uh finale break and then do nine through 16 and then another small little break. Probably this is probably in the summer and then release the final 17 through 24 in early and late fall and winter time of 2022. So that's my predictions of how they're going to structure this epic final season. So I can't wait to see how they do this. I'm kind of both sad and excited that this uh, show is ending it's been great. It's been great listening to you guys and uh, keep up the great work. See ya. Fantastic. Thanks, Matthew. So instead of two 12-episode chunks with a big break in between, three eight-episode chunks with shorter breaks in between, I don't know what AMC is going to do, but I really like that idea better. Oh, they're going to do that. He's absolutely right. Eight, eight, and eight? Eight, eight, and eight. I think that's, uh, that, that, it sounds perfect to me. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, as we know, we've got six more episodes coming in, quote unquote, early 2021. So let's say spring. That means we would have eight, the first eight of season 11 premiering in the fall of 21. Yep. Then we would have a break over um, November, December, January, February kind of thing. And we would have 
the next eight in the spring of 2022, and yep. the final eight in the fall of 2022. So yes. we get the whole season over the course of one year instead of, you know, longer than that. Yep. I think that's, uh, that sounds like, to me, that sounds exactly what they're going to do. I I'm hope on, so. I'm on board with that. And I think that, uh, that prediction is right on the money. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, I think sometimes these studios and TV stations like to drag things out, uh, as much as they can to, you know, maximize the amount of money they make somehow. Uh, but I, it, I also think that fans don't like waiting and they will wait. And I think sometimes the studio thinks they're building anticipation, uh, but also it can quickly turn into sort of impatience, I think. But anyways, three groups of eight is way better. It also kind of lines up with what we've heard about the Daryl and Carol show. Speaking of that, it's supposed to come in 2023. So if they wrap up season 11 by the end of 2022, spring 23, perfect time to start Daryl and Carol show. Yep. So the Daryl and Carol comedy hour. Yeah, that's what it might be. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so thank you, Matthew, for pointing that out. I think it's a way better plan and I'm on board. Hopefully AMC yeah. is too. Yep. All right. It is time to talk about 1977's The Goodbye Girl, everyone. Uh, this is not Walking Dead related in any way, of course. And I made Jason choose this film kind of randomly. So that's where how we got here. Uh, it was written and directed by Herbert Ross. It stars Richard Dreyfus as Elliot Garfield, Marsha Mason as Paula McFadden, and Quinn Cummings as Paula's daughter Lucy McFadden. IMDb describes it like this. After being dumped by her live-in boyfriend, an unemployed dancer and her 10-year-old daughter are reluctantly forced to live with a struggling off-Broadway actor. Yep. So when we chose this movie last week, Jason, you seemed very excited. Uh, I was very excited. I loved this movie uh, back in the 80s when I first discovered it. So you on first TV. Yeah, you first discovered it by flipping around the channels and coming across it. You watched it back then. I want to know why you like it so much and how many times you've watched it between then and now. I think I liked it. Uh, there's a number of reasons I like it uh, or liked it. This watching, uh, you know, caused a bunch of mixed emotions because sensibilities have moved on since the 70s. Yep. Uh, and there's a lot of shit that was true in the 70s ain't true no more in this movie. There's a lot of it. Well, I only came across one real extended scene that I could say that about, uh, but there may be more for sure. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but I'll get there in a minute. But yeah. Keep going. We'll get there. So when I discovered this, I'm I'm a romantic at heart. There's movies that I absolutely love that are action oriented. There's movies that I absolutely love that are uh, romantic, romantical in nature. So this one I think spoke to my twelve uh, year old, thirteen year old sensibilities of uh, coming in and rescuing someone that is down on their luck, kind of thing, and right. it's, and how and the romance that's built into that. Uh, you know, based on the sensibilities of the late 70s, early 80s, and I was 12, kind of thing. Remember that. So coming in and being that kind of, uh, that the person to to help, help or fall in love and help them out of a shitty situation and be that white knight, be that that savior, uh, the, that uh, that knight coming in in white satin armor and <laughs> swooping up the girl, that's a, uh, that's a, Sopranos quote, by the way. Uh -huh. um, there's an episode called called the uh, Knight in White Satin Armor. Sure. Anyway, 
uh, being that white knight coming in and uh, saving the girl from a shitty situation and making things all better and everybody's happy and they lived happily ever after. You know, so that romantic notion was something that appealed to me at the time. I can see that. I mean, you were a young teenager and uh, very <laughs> emotional and sensitive and this is yeah. what you wanted to do in life, maybe. Yes, that and uh, really Richard Dreyfus was a gem in this movie. He's obviously the best thing about this movie. He's charming, he's witty. The writing in this movie was, uh, I was actually quite impressed with the quality of the uh, the dialogue in this. The quippiness of it, the... Uh, it was just, it was really well done. There was things that, that came out that I hadn't realized before, mm -hmm. but I think, you know, on a subconscious level, I kind of enjoyed the, uh, uh, enjoyed the, the dialogue and the quippiness of, uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character. Well, both of them, to be honest. In fact, all three, the, all three primary characters, the, the kid included, I think, yeah. I think had that quality in their dialogue. It was, it was really well written and it's, it's, it's fast and snappy and tight right? They yeah. deliver it quickly and it's all really witty, but it's got that style that movies don't have as much anymore where it, it kind of feels like everybody's yelling just a little bit all the time. <laughs> well, it's, it was originally a play, right? Well, and, and I said, I thought that too, you know, it's, it felt like a three person play filmed for the most part. I mean, they did, they do leave the apartment, so there's more than one setting and stuff like that, but it does feel like a play a little bit, but the, yeah, the dialogue, it's, it, everyone's feels like they're yelling a bit. Everything is a little emphasized, overemphasized maybe, but it's also really witty and clever, but it's not too out there. It's not too sort of hyper real. It feels yeah. like these people could speak like this. It's just a little bit beyond what your average person speaks like. And there was a few good like one-liners and stuff like that too, I there thought. Yeah. Um, but overall, like I really liked that aspect of the film. And you're right, Richard Dreyfuss was amazing uh, in this. In fact, I, am, I mean, I, I haven't seen him in a ton of things. He's been in a ton of things, uh, but I've never been a real Richard Dreyfuss connoisseur. But this movie made me just love him, think he was great. Well, he won Best Actor oh, well, for there you this go. role. And he, at the time, he was the youngest ever winner of the Best Actor Award at the 1978 Academy Awards. Okay. And this was the first, uh, just looking at the Wikipedia page, it's also the first romantic comedy to ever earn more than $100 million. Good Lord. Office. Well, that's the other thing too. Like this kind of movie, they still make movies like this, right? But- I don't feel like this kind of movie has a snowball's chance of being the fifth highest grossing movie of the year anymore. You know? Yeah. I don't know what, um, uh, shoot, there was another film that this reminded me of, um, which I can't. Jaws? <laughs> <laughs> no, not another Richard Dreyfuss movie. Uh, but I'm just, I'm, the point I'm trying to make is this kind of style where it's, it's a little bit like a play. It's very talky. There's not a lot of characters. It's not a big action film. There's no superheroes. This yeah. isn't going to crack your top 10 movies of the year for box office wise anymore. Yeah. But you don't then, need any CGI in this movie. You don't need it at all. No, none, none. You know, you needed, you needed, needed better overdubbing. I mean, but fa fake rain, maybe there was a bunch of rain, but <laughs> there was a whole bunch of rain. That's just a fire truck spraying the hose into the air. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, rain was important in this movie. 
right? It certainly it was, was important to set it up at the beginning. Uh, when Richard Dreyfus first shows up, he's it's pouring rain outside. He's in uh, you know an outside phone booth, getting drenched with his guitar, mm-hmm. and finally he gets into the apartment to have a discussion about him uh, subletting the apartment from her ex-boyfriend, the dumpster, mm-hmm. and uh, she's stuck there. And then it, and then there's rain in the middle, uh, and then there's uh, her referencing God, and there's thunder coming down at the time, and she says, "Thanks God" or yeah. something like that. She speaks directly to God when the thunder crashes. <laughs> yeah, and then the the romantic ending with him standing in the rain in the same goddamn phone booth, uh, coming back from the airport when everybody thinks that he's gone forever because that's what happened before and that's what happened before that to her, and he mm-hmm. comes back to that same phone booth in the rain. He doesn't have his guitar this time, and that's the point. And says, you know, restring my guitar, and the both the uh, the actresses in the or the both the characters in the apartment freak out because he's coming back and everything's happy, and it just gives me tingles now uh, to see that kind of symmetry and that kind of symbolism uh, in a movie uh, from the seventies. Just it makes me so happy. Yeah, no, it's it was great. I mean, it opens with rain, it closes with rain, and it rains on them on the roof, right? It, which is yes. kind of towards the end, but that's the moment they truly come together. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I liked, I liked all that stuff. Um, the, <laughs> here's the thing though, Richard Dreyfuss's character reminded me so much of George Costanza. And what right. I mean is George Costanza reminds me so much of this character, Elliot. I don't see any way that George Costanza, Costanza was not based on Elliot Garfield in this movie. <laughs> the way George speaks, the way he gesticulates when he talks, like... It could be. I was like, oh my God. Like, uh, what's his face who played George Costanza? Jason Ma- Alexander. Jason Alexander must have watched this performance and gone, that's what I'm going to do. Because, like, I found it almost distracting, to be honest. It never occurred to me. It... it- I don't know if, I don't think you'd be able to watch it without thinking that now. So I apologize for ruining that for you. Maybe it's not (laughs) ruining it, but it was so obvious to me, um, that there was an influence here (laughs) and maybe not just an influence, maybe just like a blatant, like, that's what I'm going to do for this character. Total. Right. He just lifted the character from this movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, that could have been. It was weird. They're both, both set in New York, right? This movie and, uh, uh, with Seinfeld set in New York. So it, it might be a New York sensibility, even though Elliot is from Chicago and this is his first off Broadway play mm-hmm. or first time in, in New York for, uh, for work. Yeah, that's right. He comes from Chicago, but I don't know. It was George Costanza to me. I'm not saying that was a bad thing. I just, I was just saying, I really saw the influence there and I couldn't stop thinking about it throughout the whole movie. Um, what did you think about the, the scenes we get of, Elliot actually like practicing the perform the play he's in and then performing in this bizarre interpretation of <laughs> Shakespeare. Uh, what was it? Richard the third they were Richard doing the third. Yeah. He had a club foot and a hump back and a parallel paralysis in his hand. So I knew this was coming and I knew, uh, when we were set up to watch this, that this was going to be kind of painful to watch, but it wasn't as painful as I thought it was going to be because it was played as, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I cannot be this character that you want me to be. It's degrading and ridiculous. And uh, this is, uh, 
I'm going to get in trouble for this. They're going to crucify me for doing this shit. You can't make me do this. Right. And so it was portrayed as that. So it wasn't as bad as him just doing it and it being played as funny. Yeah. Right. I I do think it did come across as funny though. Like I, I personally found some humor in it, but you're right. He, he fought against it a little bit, which I think was important for his character and also for the fact that it was a semi-offensive take on Richard III, right? But then, but then you look at uh, Mel Brooks doing Springtime for Hitler, right? <laughs> and that is absolutely hilarious, but it's the same kind of thing. Right. But it's farce, right? This is not necessarily, it's comedy, but it's not farce. But this part of it was sort of farce. So is it acceptable? Yes, in a way... But not really overall. It would never be done today. There's not a chance in hell that anything like this would make it to screen. I don't know about that, man. Like, I uh, certainly as a satire or as a farce thing, all kinds of things can, can get made. You know, I don't know. There's a, there's a line in there somewhere that they may or may not want to cross these days. But uh, I I think it was okay in this this film. I did think it was kind of funny. But you're right. It's possible that these days they would just do something else, you know, try, try a different approach. Yeah. And I mean, uh, what's her name? Uh, who? Marsha Mason, the character, I forget her name. Paula. Anyway, Paula, that character, it makes me sad with today's sensibilities, right? That she is so dependent on a man mm-hmm. for her livelihood, for her apartment, for the security and safety of her daughter. And when the man leaves, another man is there and, you know, A becomes B, becomes C, she gets robbed. She has to rely on this man again. Yeah. uh, In order, she has to borrow money from him and it becomes a whole thing. Uh, And then they fall in love and he's making money again because he's doing, uh, uh, not stand-up comedy, but uh, what do you call it? Sketch comedy. Uh, And he's making money again and therefore they have the money to... Uh, for her not to have to work and so that they can redecorate the apartment. That's her job is to redecorate the apartment. Right. Uh, and then at the end, he leaves and they think he's gone and she's sad. And then he comes back. She's like, I'm going to spend all of your money on the apartment and everything is grand. And that just, that that character, I didn't realize it at the time, but now it makes me sad. But it was the 70s, right? And this kind of, and the way I think of it uh, is the 70s were fucked up and there were things that happened in the 70s like this that were real life. My mom was living with, uh, you know, her parents in the late, se- in the early 70s. Uh, she was 19 years old when she had my brother in 1970. And the reason uh, when she had, the reason she married my father was to get out of the house. Was right. to not have to live with her parents anymore. The only way she could get out of that house in a socially acceptable way was to get married. So she met this guy who was the manager of a movie theater and she worked at the movie theater. And two weeks, two fucking weeks after they met, they were married. Wow. And one of the main reasons that they got married was she wanted to get out of her parents' house. Mm-hmm. This shit happened. Of it course. was real in the 70s. It's not just the way women were portrayed, but it was the social stigma of being a single woman living on your own in the world in the 70s. 
So it wasn't just movies and film portraying this shit. It was reality being a shitty thing for women in the 70s. Uh, Of course. And who knows, in 40 years from now, assuming we... Humanity survives the rest <laughs> of this year. Get, if we get there, yeah. Right, if we get there, you know, we might look back on this decade and be like, what the hell were we thinking? What were we doing? Look at the plight of, you know, all kinds of different groups of people right now. Yeah. Um, now, this movie plays all, the, it doesn't take a serious look at any of those issues, right? Um, right. Which it could have, I suppose, but it would have been a very different movie uh, if, if it did. But in a way, she was also a strong, independent woman, right? Well, that's that's the interesting thing. She is a strong woman who stands up to him, right? Uh, yep. And can hold her, I, I don't mean to sound stupid saying this, but can hold her own in a conversation with him, right? She wasn't, oh, yeah. she wasn't played as, as dumber than him or less intelligent or anything like that. Um, it was the nature of the social relationship um, that, that was problematic. But in every other way, she was a really strong, interesting character, I thought, you know? Yeah, the the whole concept of her being a little bit older, and she was an actress too, and now she's not getting jobs because she's older, that's a whole other dancer. commentary. Well, actress, yeah. dancer, you're right. Um, that's a whole other commentary on, you know, the state of the way people are hired and viewed and stuff like that. Well, that shit ain't changed, though. I mean, no. being a, 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 you know, a Broadway dancer, uh, if you're 25, you're aged out. Right. Right. <laughs> I might, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but probably not by much. Oh God. Well, yeah, some things still, you know, the world has a long way to go in a lot of ways still. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the kid in, in the movie? Uh, Quinn Cummings, who played the 10 year old girl. Um, I thought a great performance by a child. Yeah, absolutely. I think she was definitely older than 10, like the actress. Actually, I don't know. Oh yeah, she probably was. Yeah. Maybe a but, little bit. Uh, no, I thought, uh, you know, she was exactly what she needed to be. She was precocious and uh, intelligent and uh, able to also hold her own in this relationship that her mother was having. Yeah, she, she was. But that kind of is, I sometimes think that's a bit of a problem with kids in movies because often movies portray adults as having all these problems and then the kid comes along and clarifies it all for them, right? And sometimes I think, oh, once again, the kid is more insightful and smart than all the adults in the whole film and solves all the problems. And there was a little bit of that in this movie when they're sitting down eating breakfast and uh, he's talking with her and this kid knows everything about actors and acting and all this kind of stuff. It's like, I guess she's grown up with actors around her. So she knows a lot about it, but you know, and, and then on the other hand, kids do have a tendency to just get to the heart of a problem, right? Uh, especially young ones. Yeah. They just say what's obvious. And a lot of the times, I guess the obvious solution isn't the one that is most apparent to the grownups. So in that way, it's okay. But, you know, I thought this movie did an okay job of balancing it. She was a fun kid, but really, really smart at times. Yeah, I agree. So. I don't really have, I, I think, the last time we talked about this, I said I met Queen Cummings, but I only found out that I had met her after the fact, oh. right? Like I was at a party and uh, I was with some friends of mine who were, uh, you know, loosely related to the film and television program at Ryerson. And uh, at some point I was at a party with all these people and uh, afterwards I was with uh, 
with some of the friends in a, you know, it was days later and he said, you remember that party we went to? Or well, I was talking about the Goodbye Girl because, you know, it happened every now and again that I would talk about, hey, what's your favorite movie? Oh, the Goodbye Girl. Okay. I've said that basically my whole life just to throw a wrench into the, into this thing, right? So a lot of times in, in the early nineties, people would say, you know, what's your favorite movie? And you say, well, fucking Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, uh, Ghostbusters. There's a whole litany of movies that you can easily point to and say, that's my goddamn favorite movie because they're good goddamn movies. As because I love this movie so much when I was a kid and it is an iconic movie for me, every time that topic came up, I would say The Goodbye Girl, Richard Dreyfus and Quinn Cummings. And uh, and somebody that we were having this conversation with was uh, said, she was at that party. You met her. Like, what? <laughs> so I don't actually recall meeting her, but I was told that I did meet her at that party. Oh, that's fun. So, it, maybe, yeah, it maybe, is fun. Maybe it's even better that you didn't know, though, because you wouldn't want to like fanboy all over her. Yeah. And, you know, I've been known to do that. So. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, so let's talk about the only part of this film that made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Sure. And I don't think I even need to explain to you what it is because you could probably tell me. Well, I probably could, but there's, you know, was it the uh, the mild implication of sexual assault? Was that the one? Well, it's it's the scene where they are not a couple yet, quote unquote, a couple. They are, of course, living together, but he is coming on to her extremely yep. strongly and yep. getting all handsy and kissing her and stuff like this. And he won't back off. Um, the whole scene is played for laughs, right? Yep. She, her character kind of reacts to it with some humor. Like she's kind of laughing along with him as if it's a big silly joke, but still, um, it was a little gross, I, I think, and a little bit creepy and, you know, in real life would be totally inappropriate, but they play it off for jokes in this movie. And I was kind of like, oh, that feels icky to me. It does. It did feel icky and it does feel icky. And I absolutely agree with you that, uh. Uh, it was kind of awkward, but also on the other hand, at one point during that interaction, he was, he was drunk and he was getting a little handsy uh -huh. and uh, he was being a little forward and she was playing it for laughs. But at one point she said, stop. And he does. And he did. He did. He, he did? backed off after, after that. He said, okay, I'm going to make you dinner tomorrow night. Oh, I thought he, I thought it took her at least a few tries. She, uh, I'd have to watch the scene exactly to, to catch it. But, um, my impression of the scene in this watching, I never realized that that was, uh, inappropriate until this particular watching. Uh, but I think that the, she was playing it off for laughs, trying to get away from him in a playful way in order to not, uh, you know, escalate the tension in the situation, which is, you know, quite real on these situations where somebody's getting handsy. Uh, the first reaction is not necessarily no, stop it. It is a, you know, stop it. Or, you know, being coy, being sure. playful a little bit. Uh, but then it escalates to the point where she actually indicates, I forget exactly what she said or did, but she actually indicates, no, this is not right. I don't want to do this. My daughter's in the next room kind of thing. And he says, fine. Okay. I'm making you dinner tomorrow night. And he backs off. Okay. So that makes me feel a little bit better about it. At least he did back off. He, he didn't yep. pursue it after she said that until that point though, it still feels a bit. Yeah. Creepy. And it was, it was kind of things like, uh, uh, your lips say no, but your eyes say yes kind of thing. <laughs> right. And that's also, 
1970s fucking sexual assault uh, cultural uh, shit that actually happened, right? This was how they saw, or a lot of people saw romance in the 70s where uh, the man is being aggressive and the woman pl- plays it coy and then, uh, you know, you, sure, you you say no, but I don't. I know that you want to be kissed. Uh, you know, there's lots and there's so many movies that have that kind of situation uh, in it. Like, look at the, the friggin' Star Wars. There was that situation between Han and Leia in the second movie where he is coming on to Leia and she explicitly says, no, stop it, don't do that. Fucking Han Solo does not stop. He does not stop until he gets distracted and she's able to sneak away to get out of the situation. Right, where she says, don't do that because my hands are dirty. And he says, no, mine are dirty too. You're trembling and you yeah, know yeah. all that shit, right? That's yeah. that whole sensibility of, uh, you know, your your lips say no, but you're. I know you. I know you want this. I know this is something that you want, but you're saying no, and I. I don't. I'm going to go with how I think you feel instead sure. of what you're saying, and that is absolutely the not not the right thing to do. You know, no right. always means no. Of course, of course, it happened a lot back then. It doesn't mean it was okay. Right. So in this movie, it happened. It was not okay, but. I'm trying to qualify it. There's no real way to no. honestly qualify this. Uh, he did back off at one point. Yeah. Right? Okay. He didn't keep pushing. And so I have to give it a little bit of credit for that. Uh, just a little bit. Maybe a little don't bit. Hate, don't hate. No, please. Well, I mean, I don't know what else I have on this film other than I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually, much more than I sort of expected to. But then I went in with really no expectations. I had never seen it before. Um, and I came out and at the end thinking it was pretty enjoyable. So, you know, great performance by George Costanza. I mean, Richard <laughs> Dreyfus, um, and, and everybody involved, fun dialogue and, uh, a nice, a nice story in the end. Right. Yeah. And you know what I didn't realize? What's that? Marsha Mason. I, you know, I thought this was a one-off for her. I'd never seen her in anything else. You met her at a party once in the 80s? I didn't and, meet her at a, oh, at a party. Okay. I was like, I saw her in The Goodbye Girl and I've never seen her in anything else. And I had no idea that she played a semi-major character, Cherry, in Frasier. I remember, I don't think I may have mentioned a little while ago that I completely wa- watched the, the, the run of Frasier, like, since the pandemic started. It was something I, I watched it early on. Okay. She was a major character for like a year and a half wow. on this, on Frasier. She was, uh, she was Martin's love interest, uh, you know, on Frasier. And I had no fucking clue that that was her until I watched this movie. I'm like, I recognize her from that. And I looked her up. I'm like, oh my God, she was Sherry on Frasier. <laughs> Son of a bitch. That's hilarious. Well. It is. There you go. Long distinguished career. Uh, I'm going to read a quote here from Roger Ebert's review of this film. Sure. That I think basically pretty much sums it up perfectly. Roger Ebert said, After Elliot and Paula shout at each other for a sufficient period of time, she does allow him to move in. He gets the smaller bedroom. And we know the basic plot structure. Total warfare in the apartment will de-escalate into a guarded truce, followed by alternating forays of warmth and decency until the kid acts as a catalyst and they fall in love. Wonderful. That's it. It's the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, he's pretty good at summing up movies and then giving them uh, various amounts of thumbs. It was his job. I think he gave this one uh, 
Well, it's funny, actually. I think this was reviewed before he was doing the thumbs. It got oh, really? three stars, yeah. Oh, okay, so three thumbs up? Three thumbs up. Two thumbs and a big toe or something. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Two thumbs and something else. Yeah, it's a significant endeavor to give something five stars. It's pretty tough. Using that method. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that is the Goodbye Girl. If you have any thoughts on it, uh, send us in an email. I would like to hear it. Okay, Jason, we're going to wrap up the podcast here, but I do have a brief after hours segment today. So nobody go anywhere. Uh, You're going to want to hear this, I think. (laughs) Don't know. No, don't nobody go nowhere. Don't nobody go nowhere. As they say in Back to the Future. That's right. Uh, Before we absolutely end though, I just want to say that uh, if if you would like to help support the podcast, you can do that by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the talking dead. You can also support us with a one-time contribution at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal. Thank you so much to everyone that does that. Next time on the show, we were going to talk about The Boys, the Amazon Prime video original series, The Boys. But we discussed it earlier, and both of us agree that The Boys deserves a little bit more of a deep dive. And I know we were going to do sort of a cursory look at it next week and then maybe more on it later on down the road. But I think what we'll do is we'll just do a deeper dive into the boys in the fall. Um, yeah. Maybe once season two is, is complete, right? Cause they're releasing it week to week. Yeah. And the reason we're doing this, like, as you say, Chris, is that uh, we want to really give it its due. It, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of information packed into every single episode and uh, glossing over it in a single episode per season, I don't think will give it the amount of uh, air that it needs. Right. So if you haven't watched The Boys, like, I think it's uh, not a secret to say that we both really have enjoyed it. So check it out. And that way you'll be all up to date in um, a couple of months when we come back to it and we talk about The Boys here on the podcast. So that is coming up later on, which means next week, I'm not sure what we're going to do at this point. Uh, so next week will be a surprise. After that, we've got one more and then we get to number 500 when The Walking Dead comes back. So uh, that's pretty exciting. One more? Yeah, we got, that's right. We've got uh, two more and then the five, 500. This is 497. Um, so, Way to math, Chris. Thanks, man. Thanks. So yeah, I'm not sure what's coming up next time, uh, but I'm sure it'll be great and we'll have to figure it out between now and next Thursday. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, If you would like to get in touch, maybe send us a suggestion on something to cover. I'm all for that too, Uh, but not the boys because that's coming later. Um, You can do that by getting in touch with us by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com, clicking on send voicemail at the top of the page and recording a message that will come right to us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or send emails to talking at gmail.com. All right. So stay tuned for a brief after hours segment. But other than that, until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Ah, hello. I'm sorry I didn't see you there. Please, come in. 
Chris and Jason have just popped off to change into something a little more comfortable. You know what those boys are like. Please sit down, help yourself to a drink, and welcome to the Talking Dead After Hours. All right, we are back for the Talking Dead After Hours. And I have a call here, Jason, from longtime listener designer Will. Okay. He, I think you're going to want to hear this. Uh, Am I in trouble? No, no, nobody's in trouble. Well, you know, every t- depends. Every time some, this, something like this comes up, I feel like I'm in trouble for something. No, I, I wouldn't say you're in trouble. If anything, I'm in trouble. And, okay, and, that I can live with. <laughs> and to take it to the next level, there's a third party here that may be in trouble. Um, that's not okay. currently here to defend him or herself. So that's my favorite kind. Uh, now I'm intrigued. Right. So I promised Will that I would play this and we'd talk about it. And, uh, you know, I don't think trouble is the right word, but let's just listen to it and see how it goes. It's a little bit long. It's a, a three second, a three minute, uh, message from Will, but you really do need to listen to all of it. So I'm paying attention. Here we go. What is up, Chris and Jason? It's designer Will. It's been a long time since I've called in. Since I haven't had much interest in The Twilight Zone, I've been listening to old episodes of your coverage on The Walking Dead, and I'm currently around season four. Now, 2,767 days ago, on podcast 104, season three, episode 10, you said this. Okay. I've been talking with Jason from The Walking Dead cast. Mm-hmm. Our sort of one of our podcast friends, and he's got this great idea to do a Walking Dead series finale party. That'd be awesome. Now, we're not talking season, not talking season three, we're talking series. So, whenever right. the show ends, could be season four, could be season 14, 21, season 21, season 21, we'll all be in our 60s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be like The Simpsons. Well, we will, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's that's uh, that worries me. Moving a on, um, <laughs> uh, a series finale. So there's nothing planned right yet, other than the idea. But we wanted to throw it out there just so we could let people know, get the ro- get the ball rolling. It'll be somewhere in some location, a big city somewhere. We're going to partner, you know, together to plan this thing. Maybe get some other Walking Dead podcasters on board. Um, you know. Uh, actors from the show anyone if we can do it and and hopefully it'll be really really fun so no details yet but we decided that we'd uh, we'd throw it out there already and just sort of uh update listeners as we go along and and plan this thing it could be years away well right? hopefully it is years away yeah exactly but i think it would be fun too i think we'd all get together have a party i don't know do something get a we'll get a big venue screen the finale yeah. you know you know meet everybody and i think it'd be really really cool that so would be fun it's going to I think primarily be planned by Jason over yep. there on the Walking uh, Dead cast, but uh, we'll be involved heavily and um, promoting it and, and be there and it's going to be awesome. So now when I heard you announce The Walking Dead was ending on last week's podcast, the first thought I had was, I hope Chris and Jason keep on podcasting. Your show is one of the few I've listened to the most consistently and for the longest time, and I hope to continue to have new episodes to listen to, even if they're not as frequent as they are now. Also, congrats on the recent 11-year podcast birthday. I think it's cool that when the show ends, you guys will have podcasted through the entire journey the main show will have taken. It would be cool to hear some episodes that are more retrospective, either after listening to older episodes of yours or watching 
earlier seasons of the show and then recapping them again, things like that. Now, as for this party, I don't think I'm the only one who'd travel to be a part of it. I hope that Jason from The Walking Dead cast has spent the past couple thousand days or so planning it, because by the time of this recording, we only have another two years or so to figure it all out, so time's running out. Well, can't wait to return to the good old Walking Dead content. Thanks for all you've put into this so far. Thank you, designer Will. So, Jason, be careful yeah. what you say on the internet, because it's there forever. Yeah, the, the internet uh, does not forget. No, it does not. So, unfortunately, humans do forget, because I have no recollection <laughs> of talking about this. I don't rem ever remember recording on a plane. There was a lot of background noise in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't remember talking about that. I don't remember talking to Jason about it. And to my knowledge, it never came up again. Yeah, that never happened. As far as I'm concerned, and in my uh, synapses in my brain, that never happened. I mean, there's obviously a recording of it, which is uh, pretty convincing, yet circumstantial evidence uh -huh. uh, that it actually happened. Uh, well, Was it I... doctored? Was it put together from uh, clips of other shows? <laughs> I don't know. It seems it... Okay, I... let's start off by saying, I think it's a great idea. Uh -huh. uh, I thought it was a great idea then. I think it's a great idea now. Getting together with anybody at this point concerns me, uh, but we're also talking about two years in the future, and uh -huh. hopefully it won't concern me as much then. Good point. Very good if point. If this ever happens. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I hope it does happen. I want it to happen. I think this sounds like a fun time. I can't, I don't know what would come over me back then to actually say, you know, we'll screen the friggin' episode, we'll have actors from the show. It's like, what was I, what was I you doing? Were, you were excited. I mean, was that pre, I, I don't even remember the dates anymore, but was that pre like Walker Stalker when, when I had what, met a lot of the cast after that point? You know, what was I the don't dates know. and episode? I wasn't like, I know that, uh, Designer Will mentioned it, but it was, I wasn't I paying attention to that. I think he said 104. Yeah, episode number 104. Was the show on the air? Yes. Yeah, we were in <laughs> <Okay>. season three already. <laughs> oh, all right. So it could have been around that time. But anyways, the point is, we talked about having a Walking Dead series finale party mm -hmm. in season three. And here we are finishing off season 10 with season 11 coming over the next two years. Uh, and now we have to have a party. I think this is possible. I, I I'm not sure it's going to be as huge as we originally anticipated, but I still think it's a good idea. And I think that, uh, we should all get together, rent a venue, put some tables together. Uh, you know, I don't know if we need to screen the episode per se, but because you need broadcasting rights to do that, right? If you play an episode for a room, uh -huh. you need permission. Of course. So, uh, that might not happen, but I don't think that, uh, having a party is a bad idea. No. You could get streamers and, uh, you know, glow sticks. Ooh. I love glow sticks. Hey, why not? You know, I mean, we'd, it would take some doing because we live in Toronto, Jason and the Walking Dead cast crew, at least he does, he lives in San Francisco and, um, other people involved live in different places around the world. So we'd have to get together. So that's going to take some doing. And then we would want people to come to it. And I know designer Will said he would travel to do this. So at least yeah. he would be there. And I very, very much appreciate that. Um, 
but I nominate Chicago or Cincinnati. Uh, Chicago's not a bad choice. Well, because it's a major hub, right? So there's uh, lots of flights coming in and out of Toronto. In order to fly to LA, you pretty much have to go through uh, some kind of hub anyway, uh-huh. right? You can't just fly directly there. Or you, no, you can fly directly there, but you can't fly directly back, right. which is fun. I, anyway, uh, so Chicago being a major uh, air hub might be a good location, maybe some kind of airport Hilton sure. kind of thing. I mean, Atlanta has a good choice too, major hub in the show was shot there. So Atlanta would be, you know, even perfecter. You know, I, <laughs> what would be really fun is if we did this at Nick and Norman's down in Sonoy, but they probably are already doing their own party. So <laughs> we wouldn't want to impose. Wouldn't want to crash that. No, I don't know. It's, it's funny that it's, I'm glad Will alerted me or us to this because I never would have remembered saying it. Oh yeah. No way. I'm going to send this clip over to Jason and say, dude, did we actually talk about this? And, you know, even if we didn't, what do you think? And let's just get the ball rolling because you're right. Two years is enough time to plan something like this. Uh, even for, for you and me, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I planned my wedding in uh, less than a year. Well, there you go. And that- And that was for a hundred and some odd people. That And that went off great. So- It did, except for the power outage. Yeah. But you know what? What are you going to do? The power came back on. It did, yeah. So I'm going to talk to Jason about this. I'm not going to promise anything at this point or ever again, for that matter, but you never know. You never know what might happen because I think this would be a lot of fun. We could have a big Walking Dead finale blowout and uh, it would be a great time. So thank you, Will, for bringing that up and let's see where it goes. How many people can you fit on a conference call? Two, three, two, three hundred? Oh, quite a few. Yeah. We could have a finale conference call. We could. Uh, but in two years from now, <laughs> let's hope that we don't have to spend all our times, all our time on Zoom calls and we can actually leave our homes and go different places and cross into other countries and stuff like that. I, yeah, but who wants to? Well, right? I mean. Nobody wants to do that, travel to other places, not talk to people on Zoom. Uh, for this, I would want to. I'm sick yeah, and tired of Zoom, probably. man. Oh. I've, I've. I've only talked on Zoom once, and that was to my brother-in-law and his family. Well, you use some other video conferencing platform. Yeah, I use Microsoft Teams, and it's I'm on it every day, yeah. all fucking day. Me too, every but it's fucking Zoom. day. Yeah. All right. Well, I, we I don't have we don't have cameras. I we don't look at people. You have to look at your coworkers when that when when you conference call. Almost always. Uh, we never turn on cameras. Not yeah. once. Never, never, never. Because we're always sharing a screen. Uh, Nobody ever. I think twice. People have turned on cameras and once it was by accident and that was funny. Right. Of course. <laughs> as long as they weren't naked or maybe that's why it was funny. Well, partially. Anyway, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you about it off the air. All right. Well, so Walking Dead series finale party in two years, uh, mark it on your calendars, folks. And, uh, it may or may not happen, but now that I remember talking about it, I'm going to have to make good. So we'll see where it goes. Okay. All right. I like the idea. I think it's, uh, it's the theory and conceptually, I think it's fantastic. We'll put it this way. Every time I've gone somewhere to get together with not only Jason from the Walking Dead cast, but other Walking Dead fans, listeners, whoever, I've always had a fantastic time. So it's, that tells me that doing this would be a fantastic time and I look forward to it. Cool. All right. We'll talk to you next time, everyone. See ya. Uh, wait, 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 one what? more thing. What? 
Uh, Star Wars books. Last time we talked about, uh, I was saying that I didn't have any idea what uh, Star Wars books uh, to start reading. And then Andrew sent an email in uh, with a website on uh, exactly how to figure out what books to read. And uh, this has been a godsend. Thank you, Andrew, for sending that in. I'm going to use that and start uh, listening to Star Wars books because I listen to all my books on Audible. So that has been uh, very, very helpful. And thank you for that. Fantastic. Good stuff. All right. Anything else I should have asked before? No, that was it. All right. See you next time, everyone.